The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping their limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at llbean.com and be an outsider with L.L. Bean. When you ask Americans to list some of our country's most famous poets and short storytellers, you'll rarely hear mention of one of the most well-known authors of all time. Perhaps it's because most think he was British. Or perhaps it's because most of his macabre stories seem a genre all of their own. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, Philadelphia's Edgar Allan Poe National Historic Site just in time for Halloween. Edgar Allan Poe was born in Boston in 1809. Both of his parents were actors. His mother, the much-admired Elizabeth Arnold Poe, his father, David, was less talented. The Poes performed at theaters along the eastern seaboard, from Boston to Virginia. At some point, David abandoned his wife and children. And in 1811... Elizabeth died of tuberculosis, leaving Edgar, his infant sister Rosalie, and his older brother Henry orphaned. The three children were separated and raised by different families. Edgar was taken in by the successful Richmond, Virginia merchant John Allen and his frail wife Frances. The Allens had no children of their own. They raised Edgar as part of the family and gave him their last name as his middle, but never legally adopted him. In 1815, Edgar traveled with the Allens to England and Scotland, where John Allen planned to expand his tobacco business. Edgar attended boarding schools throughout the five years the family lived overseas, but after John's business venture failed, he moved the family back to Richmond. Edgar entered the University of Virginia in 1826 at the age of 17, where he excelled in Latin and French. But his time there was short because John Allen refused to pay debts Edgar had incurred during his first year at school, a large portion of which incurred from gambling. Edgar Allan Poe left Richmond for Boston on his own, where he hoped to pursue a literary career. His first book of poetry was published there, but unable to support himself, Poe enlisted as a private in the U.S. Army. He entered under an assumed name and lied about his age claiming to be 22 years old when he was only 18. In a little more than a year, he attained the rank of Sergeant Major, the highest for a non-commissioned officer. Despite his accomplishments, Poe left military service in April of 1829 and hired a substitute to complete his obligation. A brief reconciliation between Poe and John Allen occurred upon the death of Francis Allen in 1829. Allen assisted Poe in obtaining a discharge from the regular army and an appointment as a cadet at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. But Edgar Allan Poe was again plagued by restlessness. One of his West Point roommates described him as having the appearance of being much older. He had a worn, weary, discontented look, not easily forgotten by those who were intimate with him. 
financial hardship, along with the realization that literature was his true vocation, led to Poe's decision to resign from the Academy. But Allen, as Poe's guardian, refused to give him permission to resign. So Poe chose to neglect his duties and was court-martialed for gross neglect of duty and disobedience of orders. After leaving West Point, Poe eventually moved to Baltimore, where he lived with his impoverished aunt and her young daughter, Virginia. He won a $50 prize for a short story, Miss Found in a Bottle, which led to a job as an editor for the Southern Literary Messenger back in Richmond. His aunt and cousin joined him the following year. Poe married his 13-year-old cousin, Virginia, shortly afterwards. The Poes moved to New York City in 1837 with the hope of Edgar finding work in the literary field. The city, as well as the rest of the country, was in the midst of a depression caused by the financial panic of 37. Unable to find work, Poe moved to Philadelphia in 1838. The six years he spent in Philadelphia proved to be his most productive and perhaps the happiest years of his life. He worked as an editor and a critic for one of the nation's largest magazines, Graham's. Some of his most famous stories were written there, including The Fall of the House of Usher, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, and The Mask of the Red Death. But in 1842, Virginia contracted tuberculosis. Her illness and the constant strain of financial problems caused Poe to sink into deep bouts of depression. The Poes moved back to New York City, where Edgar continued to work as an editor and critic. He gained his greatest fame as a poet after his poem, The Raven, was published in 1845. Here now is Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, as read by Chris Gorringe. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December." And each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore. For the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here for evermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This it is, and nothing more.' Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. 
deep into that darkness peering. Long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token. And the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not an instant stopped or stayed he, but with mine of lord and lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is in the night's plutonium shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marvelled at this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing a bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such a name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on that placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further then he uttered, not a feather then he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store. Caught from some unhappy master, whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope the melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven, still beguiling all my sad soul into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking, what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt and ominous bird of yore meant 
in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burn into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloated o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, O oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate, yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a saintly maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked, upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonium shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul, from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted Nevermore. In the same year The Raven was published, Edgar Allan Poe achieved his lifelong dream of owning a literary journal. Unfortunately, it failed within a few months. The Poes moved outside of New York City to a small cottage in 1846. Virginia died the following year. For the next two years, Poe continued to write poetry, short stories, and criticism. After a successful lecture tour in the South, in an extended visit to Richmond, Poe seemed to be finally recovering from the loss of Virginia and making plans for the future. But on his way back to New York City, he stopped in Baltimore, where he suddenly died. 
Edgar Allan Poe's death remains shrouded in mystery. No death certificate was filed, but a local newspaper reported the cause of death as congestion of the brain, which was a euphemism for alcohol poisoning. He was 40 years old. Today, the National Park Service runs the Edgar Allan Poe National Historic Site at 532 North 7th Street, Philadelphia, where you can learn more about the life and astonishing creativity of 19th century author Edgar Allan Poe. The site includes the original home where Poe lived from 1843 to 1844, as well as an adjoining home with exhibits exploring Poe's legacy and his family. Visitors to the site may offer a self-guided tour or request a ranger-led tour. The site is open Friday through Sunday, 9 a.m. to noon and 1 to 5 p.m. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven was read by Chris Gorringe. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America podcast. And if you're interested in RV travel, find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring national parks.